Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This is an outtake from Hobby Hotline in January. I got talking about whether or not you should open unopened product. It's not unopened for long if you're going to open it, but uh, a lot of people have that uh, dilemma. We discussed that, but uh, thanks sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's the Hobby Hotline segment uh, that I hope you'll enjoy. Anybody talking about the Pokemon case and baseball card exchange? Yeah, they are. Logan Paul, sometime within the next seven days, has a drink coming out. Some people think it was a publicity stunt and laughing at it. If it is a stunt, it's obviously not good for our industry because we're trying to legitimize a lot of the stuff that we do and to see the, the biggest deal of all time be not real. It's unfortunate and disappointing in 20 years when influencer marketing is more accepted as an actual traditional type of marketing. I think the Logan Pauls of the world are going to be in those textbooks as like, how were these people so relevant using the internet for so long? And for him, the $3.5 million, he probably makes $3.5 million a week. I, I also would be interested to see if you were to take all the pieces of content he was able to make with this box. How much money did he make on AdSense and how much money did he make just from paying $3.5 million? And in the end, it's like he didn't even spend $3.5 five million dollars he got it all back i'd be interested to see how much money he made because that's his business is being in the media and having his name out there and stuff like that that's how he generates revenue on youtube or on his like club this membership thing that he does pokemon people knew that case was fake because that logo doesn't go with that series and it's never been that way so the the pokemon people in the know knew that case was fake before it ever got further on down that road. How was this YouTuber, and Steve Hart is obviously a legend in the industry, how did how did one YouTuber uncover this thing, but like somehow the leading authenticator didn't know the thing, and I guess it could just be from experience of not really grading that type of stuff, but like the YouTuber pointed out 10 different things towards the case not being real, but it still went through the process. I, I don't know, it's, it's a definitely unfortunate, obviously. It's, it's interesting that the YouTuber that uncovered everything, like really only uncovered because Logan Paul bought it, so like I don't know, maybe Logan Paul knew it was fake. Like, that's the publicity stunt angle is now, or something along those lines. Like, I don't know. In the video, the, the one gentleman said he bought that case for two points and then totaled to the other guy for 3.5. Logan Paul got his 3.5 back, but I'm curious about the 2.7 now. Did he really pay 2.7 or where'd that come from originally? It was a multiple step process and we just saw the end. We don't know what we don't know. From what I've heard, Logan Paul's been reimbursed for his money, but there's two people, maybe two or three before Logan Paul on the chain of the case that have now lawyered up. So I was listening to the Card Ladder show crossover. Chris was talking about how potentially maybe we shouldn't be valuing unsealed boxes as much as we are i don't think this necessarily invalidates but if it hurts the industry of sealed wax overall collectors and investors should we be valuing sealed wax as much as we do just based off the fact that maybe and what chris was saying was that the value of the box should be what's inside the box not the box itself i'm going to ask jim this because we would put pressure on him I think he was 30 years ahead of his time because he refused to ever let us put box prices into the magazine. The big disappointment to me is BBCE, Baseball Card Exchange, uh, Steve Hart. That's rough. That's a real kick in the gut that you're authenticating something that's 
proven later. So what Rich is referring to about uh, not putting box prices in there, I won't say it's hard to track because there is an active market in that. But just like when we were pricing cards, condition matters. The condition of a box or the reliability of who's selling it, probably in those days, Rich is referring to, I don't know that it predates baseball card exchange, but you don't want to force people to, because once a box gets to be 500 bucks, let's say, you're probably going to want to authenticate it. A thousand bucks. You're going to want to think 2.7 million. And it's an insurance policy. So then you've got box prices for authenticated or unauthenticated. And it's just too many opportunities for some link in the chain to mess up. Now, what this points out is why people are so bullish on blockchain, not crypto, but blockchain, because blockchain Mm -hmm. would establish for this Logan Paul box, which now it's a Logan Paul box, even though he's probably made whole and he may even benefited from this brouhaha. But we'd know who the 2.7 million person was. We'd know who was the person before that if there was blockchain, because there's a chain of custody that's very clear. But again, it's a physical product, so you can't really do that. It breaks down. A virtual product, an NFT, you would know exactly where the fraud occurred because apparently there's some fraud here. Do you think we should be valuing more what is coming out of these boxes rather than the boxes themselves? Because one of the big things that happened in 2020 and 2021 was people going to Targets and Walmarts and bots buying all the stuff up online and then either selling it for double or these people are holding on to it. But should the value of the box be based on what's inside the box and not just the box itself. Let me change the question a little bit because you're right. It should be based on the expected value Mm. that you're going to get in the box. But people aren't doing that even now, whether it's a brand new box or an old box, they're valuing it based on the potential value of the box. That's way higher than the expected value. In fact, the expected value of a lot of these boxes is less than the SRP when you get all said and done. And older boxes, the appeal, there's a shrinking supply I understand that. It still needs to be based on the expected value of the box. If you were to break it, what would you get? Uh, Otherwise, you're just looking for somebody else to sell it to down. Ultimately, somebody's going to open it. It happened with this Pokemon box. They're going to find out. You may get an unpleasant surprise. It may be a legitimate unpleasant surprise. You just didn't get anything great. So I think this is a dampening effect on that whole market. And and that's okay with me in the sense that it needs to be about the cards, not Mm -hmm. about the boxes or the cases. Ultimately, when people open it up, they need to enjoy the cards, not say, hey, look at this nice box that I have. It's here's my card collection, not my box collection. There's a joke on Family Guy. One of the episodes, all the people in the neighborhood get a boat and Peter is in there and he's just you can get the boat or you can get this mystery box. And what's in the mystery box, it could even be a boat. And then it's not a boat. They should have just taken the boat because they got the boat. If you're opening a box and expecting to pull whatever rookie card, you might just be better off buying the rookie card if you're trying to expect the rookie card. But that's the one thing that, for me at least, is like breaks and buying boxes. It should just be fun for everybody. It almost has become like a burden getting boxes and opening them because people are selling the boxes with the expectation you're going to pull something that's maybe worth $1,000, whatever the card is. But most of the time, people aren't pulling that. It's an interesting conundrum when it comes down to what should the boxes be valued at this if realistically, you're not even going to, nine times out of 10, you're not going to be pulling anything out of those boxes. Not only that, but also the cost is baked in for grading. If you got PSA 10 or whatever I saw, the mid-2000s and up, like the 86 basketball, how those packs were increasing, and you had the price of the PSA 10 Jordan, and you're going to get two to three per box, and then 
everybody else. So those supplies are diminishing. Do we think older boxes should be way more valuable than current boxes? Or do we think that they should hold similar value? Because from the research that I've done on older boxes, the configurations and also just the fact that they've been so many boxes open, like you said, like the 1986 Fleer, you're pulling two Jordans out of that box, almost guaranteed. But like nowadays, you're not guaranteed to pull a Lamello or a Zion or a Joss. It almost feels like people are buying and selling these boxes based off of prior knowledge of boxes, if that makes sense. The um, expectation is that the, the configuration or like what you can pull is similar to what you could pull back in the day. It's selective memory. When people come back from Vegas, the, the people that lose money are quiet. The people that make made a lot of money are going to tell you all about it. Right, Even right. if they made a lot of money on Saturday and lost it all on Sunday, they're going to tell you about Saturday. It's all perceptions. This incident is going to put a damper and going to have people to not hopefully let their emotions run away with, hey, this is really cool. It is cool, but there's a limit to what you ought to pay. And it, if, if you bring it more logical, then people wouldn't pay as much. And if people can just say no, then the price comes down. But there's already people that want to have the excitement of doing it. So it's emotional. Actually, you talked about blockchain technology, and I think one thing that could help the card industry and maybe box prices is, for example, the only reason we know the Mac Jones one-of-one Kaboom exists is because someone posts about it on social media. But if somehow, if you were able to make that into an NFT or something like that, like Fanatics has a running list of all the NFTs or the big cards that have been pulled out of these sets, and that has something to do with card values. When the one-of-one Zion gets pulled, how does that specifically affect national treasures from two years ago? Zion's not the best example, but when the biggest card is pulled, how do we know it's pulled? Different question is, why should Panini or Fanatics care? They should probably hope that it's not disclosed because then the search continues. It's like the Napoleon Lajouet of 1933 Gaudi collectors holding out hope they're going to get that grail. And, and the NFT, again, if, if you got the one-of-one one and it entitled you through some code to register, and then that allowed you to get the NFT. It's still mm-hmm. difficult to see how the physical could be uncoupled from the digital. That's problematic. But like I said, it could be revenue negative to fanatics to promote the fact that the best cards mm-hmm. have been pulled from this product. But the expectation that you could pull that card if it's already been pulled, like... Yeah, but that's already... I, should it? Should it? Like, should yeah. it negatively affect the product? That's maybe yes. the question that yes, I think is an ethics no, thing. No, it should, because it's it, it, the, yeah. the expected value of what you could get in the next box is less, because the best card... Should is not the good word. It, it, mm-hmm. do, it does. And now maybe it's not in a big way, but what's happening with social media, people mm-hmm. are posting. People would post because right. it's an exciting thing. It may have happened on a public break. In fact, frequently it does. So the cat's out of the bag, and that's part of the excitement. So the excitement of it is good for you to bring some structure to it, to organize it. I'm hard-pressed to think that Fanatics or Panini would have interest in doing that as a service. Again, it's happening in social media, and it's just like what we're talking about, the trade night in the organic sense as opposed to the trade night in the more structured, organized sense. There's something to be said for the unstructured aspect of the hobby it, it, it brings a dynamic element i think people feel like holding on to the boxes is what is valuable where i think the fun of opening the boxes and the value of what's inside should be what causes the value i think a lot of people are feeling they can open the boxes and they don't have to feel like they're losing money or feel bad about opening boxes that's how i felt to be completely honest like i bought boxes from 
Target and I have a bunch of them and I just haven't opened them because I'm like, why would I? Maybe it's a psychological thing or something like that, but that's been my thought process and it's something where I've thought that maybe I should just open up all the boxes. You mentioned lots of people and there are lots of people that think that way. There's lots of people that think the other way too. There's lots of people that buy a box not in order to open it, mm. just to flip it at some appropriate time. But again, that's what brought on the junk wax era. People were buying unopened product, putting it away, thinking it's going to be more valuable in the future instead of opening it up, enjoying the cards, being a, a collector, even an investor. You're buying the cards and opening them. But what's going to happen for the people that are buying the boxes in order to sell for more later? Those people need to have a little check in their spirit that, hey, you know mm -hmm. what? Even if it's got this special plastic wrap on it, people are going to be a little more careful now because you, you can fake that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I don't want to be part of that. Again, if you right. open it, you don't have to worry. It, it, it's gambling if you're paying huge bucks. Yeah, especially if you're not the original owner or got it from the original distributor and you have multiple chains. That was my thing is if you bought a case of cards from somebody and you removed from the original source, you assume the case is fine, but there's got to be a small percentage that it it might not be. If you get a case, it's happened forever. A dealer has a case back in the day, and this would be unscrupulous, but you open up the case and you take one random box out, you open it up. If you get the case hit, then you sell the rest of mm -hmm. the boxes. Then you open up another box. If you get the case hit, you take it and stop and sell the rest of the boxes. So that's very Machiavellian, but it's been done for a long time. Just like buying a pack that's out of the box. It might be from a box if it has multiple packs where you already got something good. So people are going to do what they're going to do. The value of the sealed case is the case hit that's still known to be present in the case. So it's like, if you're buying a case of absolute, the potential kaboom should be what is keeping the value of that case. But when we see basically all the top quarterbacks on just on social media, I think I've seen every single one of the Trey Lance, the Justin Fields, the Trevor Lawrence, and the Mac Jones, I think those number one of ones have all been pulled. Ultimately, how much effect long-term would that have on some sort of sealed case? Because I think most of the kabooms are fairly valuable, but you might not pull a, ro a rookie. You might just pull one of the veterans that's in that too. So it's uh, a double-edged sword. Do you want the value of the case to go up or do you want the value of the cards to go up?